This is what we got on the docket tonight. We're gonna go over the FDA meeting. I've got five of my like favorite things that I learned about the meeting and that's what I'm gonna share. The next thing is uh, we're gonna talk about boosters because we've got a lot of questions about boosters. We have got a nice trick-or-treat surprise in after hours. There's a lot of questions that you guys have for hell no, let's go everybody's favorite game. I'm I'm so sad though that everybody missed my intro. Okay, your intro was good. Your intro was good. See, that's for the OGs. For the OGs, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get that. For the OGs that are on at eight o'clock, but friends, this is the costume y'all voted. I you even have fake you lashes. Are gorgeous. You're gorgeous. I can't Thank get you. enough. I can't I would, get enough of you. I would also like to make sure that the friends at home know that in order for me to make the, the dress like uber full, I put a like a petticoat thing on underneath from my wedding. This is my petticoat that I wore the day I got married. You were a over 20 years ago. You got a, you were a petticoat to your wedding? Yeah. You wore that all day? Wow, I'm impressed by you. I'm no, really it wasn't impressed. that big. Look. Oh, you have it there. Oh, you just happen to have it there. Thanks. It wasn't that big. No, it wasn't that big. My dress was very, I got married outside in the Caribbean. So it was very like flowy and didn't have like anything underneath. Side story. Um, um, Bethany just asked who you are. Would you like to explain since Bethany didn't show up on time? Well, if Bethany would have showed up on time, she would have known that I had a wig on, my, 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 I'm wearing a sweatshirt from Target, from the Target's children's section that says, never underestimate a princess, and I am covered in facial glitter, and I had a stethoscope. I am the good Dr. Nicole Baldwin. What she I, can't, I can't match you, I can't match you. This is your season, man. What she fails to mention is the wig was like the color of my dress that I'm wearing, friends. And I've got did they not see the did they not see the reel that you put on with your million wigs? You have a million wigs. So the point was that I had one of your wigs on. I would like to say to the fans, I am a little disappointed that you didn't choose one of my costumes with a wig. I mean, I did want to please the fans and y'all voted for Belle, but I was really hoping for a wig tonight. Belle, Belle is so glamorous and it's definitely the right choice. Okay. Hey, I need to make a comment to Lizzie Bake Oven. There's not a choice between Skyline and Gold Star. There is only one Cincinnati chili. What would don't you I, say to that? Don't I, I'm a former Cincinnatian. Whenever Skyline, you're maybe. feeling whenever you're feeling good and hungry, what time is it? Skyline time. Thank you. Okay. Yes. All right, we're back. Uh what are you drinking today for the Halloween episode? I am drinking a Pinot Grigio. My Peloton broke. Should we talk about I, I am that? so sorry. You should. You should. But my Peloton broke, uh, everyone. How did it break? Well, I got on and in, I have the Tread Plus and I got on and I was all ready to meet my friend Jess Sims and everything turned on, like the screen turned on, but I could, I was like slamming my fingers on it. Like the touch sensitivity was just wiped for some reason. And I've done nothing. Like I've done nothing. It hasn't moved. It hasn't, nothing happened. And it was all of the touch sensitivity went away. And the problem was when you approach the tread, they have all these 
security features on it now. And so I can't even do the passcode to like even get it going to even do it without one of the one of the programs. Anyway, I called the good support staff at Peloton. I actually used their little bot. And this must be a known problem. If anybody else is a tread user who's had this problem, this clearly is a known problem. Because I said, you know, the, the screen's turning on, I went through all of your resets, yada, yada, yada. And then I still don't get any sensitivity, or I, I still can't log on. And they're like, what's your name and address? And I typed it in. They're like, great, we'll send you out a new screen. Like it was like that easy. And so it'll be, it'll be here in a couple of days and then they just have to have the guy out come and the whole screen needs to be replaced, but it was still under warranty, it's free. It was a $800 thing that they're sending me. So, wow. So I, I'm, so the moral of the story, very good service, very happy with it, very disappointed that I have to do dance cardio with Cody right now. I wouldn't be disappointed with that. Hey, it is, it's Cody. I don't, I don't, I'm not a dancer though. And the cues go a little fast. Like I, I can't quite keep, but can't you do some, like, you could do some like weightlifting and boot camps. No, I do. I do. I'm not saying that I'm not doing, that I'm not doing anything, but it is kind of sad that, that it didn't work. Anyway, I'm going to recover friends, mass up by friends. I will recover. She'll be okay. I will be okay. We um, need to get this party started. We have okay. so many good questions. Okay, yeah, I know. It was a lot. All of you guys had super smart questions. I think the main two things is to talk about the meeting and talk about boosters. Oh, look at look at what you did there. Look at what you did. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about first? I feel like we should bust out boosters because I feel like the discussion for kids' vaccines is, is going to take a long time. What do you think? Okay. okay, that's fine. You're the booster queen. Go ahead and and go for it because i didn't get any questions about boosters i'm a pfizer girl so I hey questions i got my booster did you see my reel i saw that you got it i really enjoyed your shirt actually well i got that from a very dear friend i would imagine so it was pretty incredible i got a lot of questions about where i got the shirt and i said i got it from a very dear friend how a long how did, you, how did you feel and how did how did it go and how'd you feel? I got it with my Fauci doll and my blank. So I got, for anybody who's questioning, I got two doses of Moderna initially back in December and January. I waited for the FDA to authorize and the CDC to approve boosters and to approve mixing. So I decided to get a Pfizer booster. And the reason I decided that was because and we'll talk a little bit about the mixing studies and what that showed. And essentially, like for people who got primary Moderna, it's really kind of almost very, it's very similar whether you get a Moderna boost or a Pfizer boost, it kind of didn't matter all that much. And we have Pfizer in my office and we have Pfizer doses that nearly every day are going to waste in my office. So on Monday, we had opened a vial, it was getting ready to expire. And there were a few doses left and I was like, boom, put that puppy right there. So I had side effects that I would say were a little bit worse than dose one of my Moderna, but not as bad as dose two oh, of my no. Moderna. So I had a, a sore arm, but not nearly as bad as my Moderna sore arm. It started about eight or so hours after my vaccine. I had a headache. Um, and just a little bit of body aches, nothing super bad. Um, I did take some Tylenol more for my back, not for the vaccine necessarily, but I take Tylenol every night before I go to bed because I can't sleep if I don't. 
and um, I didn't sleep the greatest, but it was fine. And I could have worked yesterday, but I don't work until five. So like all day I was fine. I did take another dose of Tylenol later in the day because um, I still had a headache. But then this is what's interesting. This morning I woke up feeling totally fine. And I go to do my hair and I was like, oh, my arm hurts a little bit. And I felt it and I was like, I've got axillary lymphadenopathy. You do? I know. So I got like, so that is a thing, right? So the swelling and pain underneath your arm, you can get that. And it's funny, I was listening on the way home today to the whole discussion about Moderna boosters and all that kind of stuff. And that was the one side effect that they saw more after a boost. Now this was after a Moderna boost, but I, they saw the axillary lymphadenopathy and swelling more. And I was like, whoa, that is crazy. But it's gone. By, it was gone by the early afternoon. And it was just like- What do you mean it was gone? Like the bumps were gone? Like the pain, the pain oh, is the gone. Pain. The pain is gone. So and uh, it, I mean, it was the weirdest thing. And I was just like, what? So, I mean, it was kind of cool that I got that because now yeah. I know what it feels like. But I, this, is I like mean, the nerdy, this is the nerdiest conversation I've ever had with another person. It's so cool. <laughs> you got live that nobody. <laughs> we are. We're, this, is, this is a whole other level, folks. Woo. So, but anyways, well, back you know to it's working. You know it's working. You know it's working. Yes. I know yeah. that, like, my lymph nodes are my house for my little white blood cells that are coming in to make antibodies. Yay! Um, I love seeing all the comments of all the people that already got their boosters, too. Really similar side effects as well, too. I got the third Pfizer. My, um, I agree with you. My uh, side effects were kind of after, like I had after dose one, not nearly as bad as dose two. Yeah. But I did not get lymphadenopathy, so I'm not part of the cool, the cool kids, I guess. Sorry. Sorry for your luck. What a bummer. What a bummer. So what, what else do we need to know about the mixing? So the mixing, I actually printed out. So these are, this is cool. And I don't know if people are going to be able to see this. Here's what's super cool. So the NIH did a study. They enrolled 150 people in each group. So they took 150 people who got Moderna primary series, two doses. 150 people got Pfizer, two doses. And 150 people got the J&J &J vaccine. And then they separated them out into three groups. So 50 each within each category and 50 of them got the same boost as their primary series and then 50 got uh you know one of the other two you know 50 and 50 right and then they looked at all of them they looked at what are the immune responses and in every case um no matter who got what the immune immunity boosted at least four times that was the that was the smallest boost in antibodies okay and that was if you got a primary j and j and you got a boost of j and j okay your immunity only you went up four times which is still good right and that's actually just of note that's a little bit different than the data that Janssen and j and j got with their own booster studies and that's kind of nuanced i think 
when when Janssen did it, like you, they saw a much better immune response if you got a booster six months after the dose versus if you got it two months or three months after the dose. So they're saying that their antibodies take longer to kind of come up. And in this study, they looked at the antibodies like 15 days after the dose and 29 days after the dose. So it may just be that J and J, you may still get a really good immune response. It just might take a little bit longer. And that that wasn't in this study data yet. So don't, you know, if you got J and J, don't don't despair. But then here's what was cool. So if you got a Pfizer, what go ahead. When you're when you're talking about these numbers and these cohorts, did they do did they account for people who had COVID in the meantime? Did yeah, there were so so they, they were, were only COVID and like they took them out of the study or there were only like two, I think, I think, if I remember correctly, there were two people within the trial that had evidence of prior COVID infection. Oh, okay. So at some point they did. But I don't believe that anybody got COVID during this. And it was short. You know, they only it's only been like 30 days or whatever. So with the primary J&J series, right, if you get another J&J, you got a four times boost. If you got a Pfizer, you got a 35 time boost. Don't get too excited, friend. If you got a Moderna, you got a 76 times boost. That's now incredible. the one, huh? Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, really. But here's what, here's what I will say. The Moderna boost dose in this study was 100 micrograms. That is a full dose of Moderna, okay? So when you do the, for Moderna boosters right now, if you got the primary Moderna series, the recommendation is a 50 microgram boost. So that's a half of the dose. So we don't necessarily know, are you still gonna get that robust of an antibody response? We don't know. They are studying that right now. They have enrolled another cohort that they are giving a 50 microgram Moderna boost. But when they- you would imagine too. The other question is: Is that is it how clinically relevant? Is Correct. That? Yes. How clinically relevant is that? I mean, if I'm forty some times boosted with Pfizer, right. is that really clinically relevant that I get eighty or whatever from Moderna, or certainly from the half dose? That's that's like, I mean, you're talking about it's good, good, better, gooder. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing that's important to note is that with each of these, they looked at the, I think it's called the, the GMT, so the GMT, something mean titer or whatever. So they've found in previous studies that as long as that's above a thousand, then that provides at least 90% efficacy, I believe. Somebody please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is what I've heard. If it's above a thousand, then you get at least a 90% efficacy against infection. All of these were above 1,000, even the J&J. &J. So the J&J &J plus J&J &J got you at a 1,410, okay? So you're all having, so you're all having, a, so that you would make the assumption then from that statement that you just said that they're all having clinically relevant boosters of protection. Oh, I just lied. I made a lie. Okay. That was the Pfizer. That was the J&J &J with the Pfizer. The J&J &J with the J&J &J only went up to 130. Don't listen to me, friends. But I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be a thousand. But anyways, regardless, well, it was a thousand, and it was a thousand in the J and J trial. And to remind all of our friends, J and J is still keeping you from getting severe COVID and keeping you out of the hospital. Yeah, like, J and J is still a legitimate vaccine. Right. And J and J, yes, J and J is still a very good vaccine. I do want to address. Someone said, so then why did they approve a 50 microgram dose? 
So this, the, I'm talking about the mixing study that the NIH did. And when the NIH enrolled in this, so this was separate from Moderna, separate from them. They, Moderna was not sure if they were going to do 100 or a 50 microgram dose because they studied both of them. Moderna in their, in their booster study studied both and found that 50 gave, as, gave a very good immune response and was less, with less side effects. So that's, the, that's where that confusion lies. But then just quickly so you know, if you got a primary Moderna boost, if you got a, another Moderna, again, remember this study was 100 Moderna, you get a 10 times boost. So that's up to 37, 27 GMTs. If you got a J&J, &J, you got a 6.2 times boost. So you got up to 1,500-ish. These are all averages, friends. And then if you got a Pfizer, you got an 11 times boost, which was 2,800. So for me, basically, see again, like if I got a Moderna, 10 times boost. If I get a Pfizer, 11 times boost. It's basically the same thing. Like it's not a big deal. And if you got primary Pfizer, um, if you get a Moderna boost, it's 32 times. If you get a J&J &J boost, it's 12 and a half times. And if you get a Pfizer boost, it's 20 times. Okay. So again, so, so that's all, I swear, probably lots of numbers and whatever. And I will try to post a picture of this, but all that to say. Okay, so the, so the bottom line is, if I got a primary Pfizer, what do I want for the boost? Either Pfizer or Moderna, probably. If I got primary Moderna, what do I want for the boost? Either Moderna or Pfizer, probably. If I got primary J&J, &J, what do I want for the boost? Either Moderna or Pfizer. Now, the only caveat to that, and the reason I think they approve these mixing studies is because there are certain people that may be higher risk for some vaccines than others. For instance, if you are a, if you are a male between the ages of, you know, 16 and 30, 32. and you're concerned about myocardial myocarditis or pericarditis, even though that's very rare, it's still very rare. If you're concerned about that and you got a primary J&J &J or you got a primary mRNA series, then, then get a J&J &J because then you don't have to worry about that risk, okay? Flip side of that, if you are a woman of childbearing age, I would not recommend a J&J. &J. Like, I just wouldn't. Like, unless you are allergic to an mRNA product, then I would not do that. I'm and, blatantly saying that. <laughs> no, and I, and I agree. I think the numbers are solid there. Um, and then if you are concerned about the clotting, with the J and J, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. With the J and J, which, which with the mRNA, which would probably be better for you anyway. Which I think is important to say that that clotting is way more rare than the myocarditis. Mm -hmm. However, it's also way more severe when it happens. So that I think, I think it's important that people don't just look at numbers. Don't just look at, oh, this many per million got myocarditis and this many per million had clotting. But more people who had the clotting died um, mm -hmm. than, like, I don't believe anybody with the myocarditis has died that the CDC is aware of at this point. Um, and so, so I think that's important to keep in mind. Yeah. And we've got, we got lots of great new data about the myocarditis too, but I completely, I completely agree with you. So that's, 
I think that that's a great summary. It's a great bottom line summary. I appreciate you going through the math. Um, obviously, another example of science and progress, science at work. And having multiple products on the market allow us to have these discussions. It allows us to have options, variability, customize our protection to our families. And that's where we should, that's what we ultimately all should be able to do is really customize our personal risks with the, with the factors as the, as the urgency um, and the emergency starts to wane. So all good news. Right. Good news. Okay. Now let's talk about kids. Okay. Cause that's what everybody wants to hear. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. No, everybody wants to. Now I will say too, that before we start talking about it, there are a lot of, a lot of our mass off libraries sent us some really good questions. First of all, I don't think we know the answer of not because we haven't looked, but because we don't know. But I, I think also some of these questions specifically on like dosage questions, there was a good one about trial size. There was a good one about um, spacing doses. I think those type of questions will be better answered after the ACIP meeting. We still have a lot of discussion that's still going to happen. So when we talk about the FDA data and what happened, yeah, what happened on Tuesday is really the FDA's job is different than the ACIP's job. And the FDA, the FDA's job is to say, is this, is this medicine safe and effective for Americans? Is it reproducible? Can it be reliably produced in fa our factories? Can it be reliably controlled to make sure it's a good product? Is it going to be beneficial? That's their job. The ACIP's job, the meeting that happens next week is really, I think probably going to be more interesting discussion. I mean, that's really gonna be like, how do you distribute it? Where does it go on the schedule? What if a kid is 11 and five, you know, 11 and 11 months, do you, you know, what, what happens if they're 11 and then they have a birthday? Like, you know, all of those kind of details and a little bit more of the risk benefit is going to be talked about next week. So right. I have, I watched the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle. I had like five takeaways. Okay. Shall, I, shall I just talk about my takeaways and maybe that will lead into, in, into this yep. discussion. Okay. And I want you to pipe in because I know you watched it too. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that I thought was really insightful is Dr. Havers and her, that was like the top of the line presentation that really just talked about the framework of COVID and kids in specifically in the five to 11 year olds. So she did a really good job of breaking down the data that we have from the CDC saying, this is specifically what we know about the population that we are talking about. We're not talking about generalizations. We're not talking about all commerce with COVID. We are talking about the five to 11 year olds and where we sit. And so these are a few of the highlights. This is what I wrote in my notes when I was watching it, I said, and a couple interesting things there. 1.9 million cases through October 10th, from March through October 10th in five to 11 year olds. Interestingly, what they can also do is they can look at seroprevalence studies, meaning evidence of prior disease in these group of kids. They can do a lot of math that I don't understand in the middle. Okay? Yeah. And then they can come to the conclusion that there were 1.9 million cases reported in five to 11 year olds but they approximate that there are 6.2 infe infections per reported case. 
I mean, that kind of blew my mind. I didn't yeah. realize that the math was, was, was so significant on that. Essentially, for the reported cases, 10.6% of all cases are in, of COVID are in the 5 11-year-old group, and they represent 8% of our population. So this is definitely a population that is affected by this infection. Another interesting fact from her presentation was also that if kids are hospitalized, their risk of death is equal to those if they were hospitalized with the flu. Also interesting fact. 1.7% of all cases of all cases of death from January to October are in, the, are in this group. And I think what was impactful for me for this part of the discussion was really to frame for those of for for people who follow mask off live maybe we can kind of just set the framework that we are going to hear a lot in the next few weeks from the anti-vaccine industry that kids aren't dying but kids aren't dying kids aren't dying kids aren't dying kids are dying and, and the reason that i liked this presentation specifically was four five to eleven year olds but we're really focusing on is not only direct infection and certainly to avoid death, right? There were there were 172 kids, maybe is that? I feel like a little right? less than that, 100 and Letter, 140 or okay. 140, or something like that. That yeah. died. Okay, that died. But this is a vaccine-preventable disease. Those kids did not need to die. Period. Okay, um, but. I think that they framed what, framed it really nicely as thinking about a survive a COVID survivor who is 40 years old, 45 years old, like myself, COVID, COVID survivor of my age, versus a COVID survivor that is an eight-year-old, and how many life years they potentially have left of adults versus kids that will need to navigate as being a COVID survivor. And so what we're talking about specifically in the 5 to 11s, or what I, my takeaway from that part of the discussion was long-term disability. Mm -hmm. Because kids are getting long-term symptoms and long COVID in the 5 to 11 age group, up to 8% up to 8 of kids have long COVID, um, which, which, which in this particular number was defined as symptoms lasting longer than 12 weeks after primary infection. Those symptoms included chronic fatigue, headaches, trouble sleeping, trouble with concentration, academic performance, cough, and joint pain is what, is what they qualified for. I would also add, this is a personal anecdote, I also have seen, I have seen more of the chronic headache. I have seen acute onset tics. I have seen acute onset uh, panic attacks like neurological consequences, there is starting to be increasing evidence of when SARS-CoV-2 gets into the CSF. This, re, remember, mascot, remember friends, this is, this is a whole body infection. This is not a respiratory infection. We're seeing neurological compromise. And so as a pediatrician, as a mom of an 11-year-old boy who has to make this decision, right, the 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 concern of the long term the life year effects and the potential of long dis, long term disability after natural infection is significant okay mm -hmm. so so that was so that was the first presentation these are all public you can go back to youtube you could watch mm -hmm. it i'd love to know your takeaways too but those were those were mine um as a parent and as a pediatrician who is going to be recommending or not recommending this vaccine to certain kids 
that was kind of my first takeaway. What about you? Anything else to add for my first takeaway? Dr. No, I mean, I think, I, I think that that's good. I think what's important for everybody to keep in mind, just like Dr. Natasha said, and she may or may not want to toot her own horn, but she had a great post and a great sub stack talking about the lies that the anti-vaccine community is going to tell you. She's predicting ahead of time. And while we don't have a crystal ball on a lot of things, I think she's spot on with her predictions about what they're going to say to you guys, is that it is true that COVID infections in general and this age group of kids tend to be mild. However, the, like, and, and most of these kids do not get sick and die. They can, but it's not super common. And so we're thinking about more than just that risk. We're thinking, and, and I think the other thing to keep in mind is we also need to think about their mental health, their loss of school days, you know, if they get COVID in their home for 10 days, loss of like, I mean, it sounds horrible to say, but like parent days taking care of sick kids, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's, there are, and, and, and as much as like, we i feel like nobody in the u.s likes to think about other people anymore we're also keeping these kids from being a vector of spreading to vulnerable people now granted those vulnerable people the older people can be vaccinated like let's be real they can however again it's just one more way to help us reach herd immunity so just kind of like don't let anybody shame you if you are choosing this vaccine for your child, okay? Everybody's going to make this decision. They're all going to think about it. I hope no pediatricians shame parents one way or the other. I've been having some very good discussions in my office with parents who have a lot of very good questions. And, and they're, it's, it's okay to ask these questions. And I think that there are going to be people that really feel strongly about getting this. There are going to be people that really feel strongly that they want to wait longer. And that is what it is. We're just here to tell you what we know. Keep moving on. What's next? I'm so glad that Dr. Shapiro's joining us tonight. She mentioned that she's seeing long COVID all the time in her kids. And I think as pediatricians, what we will find too is we don't have, I have a lot of families that come in. I'm sure you do too, Nicole, that say like, I just want to know if they've had it. Can you just test their, test their antibodies and let me know if they've had it. And then, then I'll know if I want to vaccinate them or not, or what, or then I can know whatever, you know, X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. We don't have, um, we don't have a great testing kits to really reliably tell us if they've had a past infection. Mm -hmm. And so that's what makes talking about long COVID even more difficult because I know I have kids with COVID toes. Um, I don't have a reliable way to know if they've had an infection in the last 12 weeks. Like, I, I, I don't know how to figure that out. I know I have kids with acute onset ticks. They never had symptoms, but their brother had an exposure or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like, you see this in the trail. And as pediatricians, we're going to be the ones, because of all these life years, to see the consequences of the long terms of this disease. And yeah. yes, we'll talk about myocarditis. That's my next tip or my, my next takeaway right. but I, I think we're really kind of losing focus maybe and maybe it's just because I'm cool with the myocarditis stuff because I understand the math but I think it's I think we're losing focus on on the the uh long potential of long-term disability after disease well and I someone asked a good question are you seeing long COVID in kids who were asymptomatic <laughs> 
And I think that's Natasha's challenge is what she's saying is that like, we're seeing symptoms in kids and without a very good test to say you had COVID or not, um, number one, it's, it's hard to say you can kind of extrapolate like, oh, you know, like Natasha said, like brother had COVID, but this one tested negative or whatever. But what we are seeing in kids that had asymptomatic infections is MISC, yes. which is the inflammatory condition that is that is very severe that, um, you know, kids are getting hospitalized for. And in that, and this, wasn't it like 5,000? Was that the number of MISC cases in 5 to 11? Did you write that down? Oh, I thought I did. I thought I did. Um, I want to say, I want, I feel like it was around 5,000 kids ish in that age range. No, and because I, think the, I think you're right because the total was somewhere around 8,000 and now we're back. So that was one of my other takeaways and that yes. perfect segue, Dr. Nicole, perfect segue is that we are going to be popular. We are going to be potentially vaccinating the population of greatest risk for MISC. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And because the, 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 the median age was nine. The median age for MISC is nine years old. So those are the group of kids that are getting that MISC more and they can get that after asymptomatic infections. Okay, so I'll segue into that one, which, which flirts with the myocarditis. But one of the things that I found very interesting was those particular numbers as we were focusing our attention onto the five, five to 11 year olds, um, you're talking about the population of kids at greatest risk of MISC, whether after symptomatic or asymptomatic infection. And those kids peak and have a large predominance between the 5 to 13 range. This is different than the natural risk of myocarditis. So the risk of natural risk of myocarditis accelerates after puberty. So I'm going to go into, this was kind of a next talk, but I'm going to talk, talk kind of hit some of the highlights from Matthew Oster's talk, Dr. Oster's talk from Emory. I thought that was fascinating. Did so you, good. So, so good. If yes. you watched nothing else from the meeting yesterday, yes. watch Dr. Oster's talk. Yes. He was what, like the second or third person? It's towards the first, it's towards the beginning. Towards the, the beginning, talk. yeah. Watch his talk. If you're worried about myocarditis, watch, watch that talk. Watch that talk. It was fascinating. Yeah. What I learned that was new was, and I think when Dr. I think when Dr. Oster was talking, it was almost like he thought it was new. Like I think every I think all of this is new, right? Yeah. I mean, did yeah. you get that feeling? Like but, with the the COVID vaccine myocarditis, you mean? Yes. Or what? Yes. So he's yeah. Talking, he says that 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 this is becoming a little bit tricky semantically because we're talking about myocarditis with like a capital M. And what we're finding now is there's four different types of myocarditis, four different types of physiological change when the heart swells. So now we're dividing, now we're dividing into classic myocarditis, which is like pre-COVID myocarditis, COVID-related myocarditis, MISC-associated myocarditis, and vaccine-associated myocarditis. So now we have four different types, all heart inflammation, but he went through graphs, which I thought were fascinating. All of these people presenting with chest pain, predominantly chest pain. 
but the physiologic markers and the significance of recovery were so different between them. And I thought that that was fascinating. Mm -hmm. So different troponin markers or heart stress, blood level markers, different ejection factor, ejection fraction, calculations that they do with the echo, different EKG markers, different, um, different projections of recovery. So it's so much more significant to have myocarditis after uh, MISC and after COVID than it is after the vaccine. So if you, if you are concerned about the myocarditis at all, that, that was the money. That was, right. the money. that was the money presentation. So another important part, and this as an 11 year old, as a parent of an 11 year old boy, right? Kind of doing this risk stratification, completely understanding that if my young son gets COVID, likely nothing will happen. The pattern of myocarditis, which I thought was really interesting, is always more in guys. It's always, there's always more guys that get myocarditis than girls. And myocarditis is always more frequent from any type infections over the age of, over the age of 16. Yeah. And so they think that there is a testosterone related or hormonal related cause to the development of this heart inflammation. So that fact alone, should tell you that, that the kids five to 11 shouldn't have that much myocarditis, like period, like wild mm -hmm. type myocarditis. And so the vaccine associated myocarditis should be less because the baseline is less. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's very interesting and very much missed when parents are thinking about myocarditis is that they think that the risk is more, is jumping from zero to 5.7 per thousand or what 100,000 or whatever it is your risk is your your young son's risk is never zero your young son's risk always has a risk of myocarditis after any type of infection after any type of virus after lots of different medications like and this is something that we have post-infectious myocarditis is something that pediatricians have always been alerted to it's always something that we followed but just because it's new to the general public and just right in the front of the face of these parents I think they're thinking that the risk is zero and now I'm giving them a risk that's escalating it. No, your risk has never been zero. Your young mm -hmm. child's risk has never been zero. Mm -hmm. So your, your child's baseline risk is 2.2 per 100,000. 2.2 kids per 100,000 are going to get myocarditis every year. That's just like the baseline. And after the second dose of the mRNA vaccine, that risk of vaccine-associated myocarditis escalates. That being said, that number is still fluid. That number we, we are estimating from the, from the same population as the 16 plusers that we see that again should not be that high right. because the five to 11 year olds naturally don't get it as much because they don't have as much testosterone. So I think the whole thing is very fascinating. That, that honestly, that talk, Dr. Oster's talk really turned my head of like, thinking about this differently for my own son and really gave me a lot of comfort mm -hmm. not understanding the math that this was low risk anyway and still getting myocarditis after natural infection and misc is worse for his long-term life years left mm -hmm. but i would say 
that if you are worried about myocarditis, that is the talk that you need to see. He was so clear. He went through the math. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it was it was a really nice talk about what cardiologists are eagerly and desperately looking for and how much they care about this problem. And they want to solve this problem and how they're trying to do that safely and effectively while protecting the vast, vast majority of kids that will never have this as a side effect. Right. And they'll still get the benefit of the vaccine. Well, and I think what I want to add to that, I think what's important that they said um, yesterday, which I didn't realize until yesterday, that the rate of myocarditis in boys from 12 to 15 or in kids from 12 to 15 that have been vaccinated since we've had more data on them is much lower than 16 and over. So like everybody has been kind of like lumping this 12 and over group, but it's not the case. It's been that 16 and over group and so they anticipate nobody can say for sure we can't say for sure but they anticipate and again in dr oster's talk if you look like what natasha's talking about with baseline infections he has a great chart that shows like there's an increased risk of myocarditis like in the very early like newborn to one year period and then it like dips way 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 down until these kids hit puberty and then goes back up. So that five to 11 age group, they anticipate that it's not going to be that much of an issue. But the other thing- And, 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 and they're getting lower stimulus. You're only getting a 10 correct. mic dose. You're getting a third of you're the getting, dose. You're getting a 10 mic dose. So you're talking about lower natural history, lower risk in that just by right. living life because of your age, plus I'm giving you less stimulus. Right. So, I mean, I think that that should provide, it provided me a ton of reassurance. Yeah. Um, because I think the risk, when I, when I was going into the meeting, I was saying, okay, I mean, any parent, you're the same, Nicole, any parent is going to say, okay, worst case scenario. Yeah. I'll give this to my kid and he has myocarditis. Yeah. Okay? Even after watching that talk and looking at the long-term consequences of myocarditis after natural infection versus the brief change of troponin that happens after vaccine-associated myocarditis, oh, it just, it helped me sleep better at night. So, I mean, even right. in worst case scenario, it helped me work first better than night. And the probability of that is exceedingly rare. Right. And again, I think we oh need my to... Gosh. It we was need such to again talk. such a good talk again stress the risk of myocarditis after a covid infection is significantly higher than the risk after vaccination and significantly associated with long-term problems right so yeah. if you have a child that has not yet had a covid infection you are essentially choosing We've talked about this before. You're choosing from immunity from a vaccine or immunity from disease. We're not calling it natural immunity. We don't like that term. We not call it, we're not liking that. It's <laughs> immunity from disease, immunity from vaccine. So if you are, if you are so worried about myocarditis, then clearly you should choose vaccine over 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 disease because yeah. disease is more likely to give your child myocarditis in addition to other things whatever you are worried about about the vaccine it is worse when you get covid yeah. if you are worried about myocarditis because of the vaccine it is 
worse if you get COVID. If you're worried about long-term effects of the vaccine, I'm worried about the long-term effects of COVID. Mm -hmm. If you're worried that the vaccine is new, uh, this disease has only been on the planet for two years. We have no idea what it's doing to your body. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, anything that you say about the vaccine, you can say equally about getting the disease. Like I told a, a nice reporter this week, I still think, I mean, think about it. Think about just us getting vaccinated at the beginning of the year and 12 months later, we could have, a lot of us could have the vast majority of our family, friends, people we love getting immunity from the vaccine and not immunity from the disease. And I, and yeah. I, I still do think that it's, that it's quite, an, uh, quite a miracle. And I am so thankful, 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 thankful to all of the people, including your family, Nicole, including your beautiful daughter who participated in these trials, to, who took a risk, who said yes, who rolled up their sleeves for, on behalf of America, on behalf of all of us, on behalf of the world. Your family was truly part of history. That's part of the reason that I love you, of one of the many, of the, one of the many reasons that I love you. But, but I, I, as I read this document, and I, and I, and I will continue to read many, many more, like. Would you like a, would you like a rose? Are you giving me a rose? I'm giving oh, you a rose. I accept, I accept this rose. Okay. Um, no, but seriously, like all of the, all of the families that, that got this, I mean, it was a risk that you took and, and a calculated risk, obviously. And so many of us did, so many of us, uh, did it, but, but, uh, so I'm just so thankful to all of the, all of the participants to give us this data and to be able to be able to help us make this decision for our families and all of these yeah. scientists and all these other people around the world that are, that are trying to solve this problem. There's a different buffer that's going to make this a little bit more stable for us. That um, for the for those of you who are pediatric associates, friends, planning on getting this in our office. Dr. Nicole has been delivering Pfizer in her office for the, this whole time. We had some significant difficulties because for those of you who know, we've got we've got in two different states, and so that in because this is an international sensation. Nicole, I have to explain this. I have okay. to explain it to the people. Okay. Because okay. um, the people have never heard it. Uh, yeah, we have two. We have two different offices, so, so it became technically very difficult during that first wave. We have believed that we have solved all those problems, so we will be able to get that. It is more stable. It has a different buffer. It actually has the same buffer that they use in the Moderna vaccine. So they have switched the buffer from the buffer is what they put. It's a salt. It's a saline salt, and that's what they put in the medication to keep it at the same pH as your body, so it so it doesn't sting when it goes in. Yeah, that and the buffer doesn't a, doesn't doesn't change it's the effectiveness. Not, it no, basically makes it be more stable at refrigerated temperatures. So where the other vaccine um, is refrigerated can be refrigerated for thirty days. Um, this can be refrigerated for ten weeks. So that is going to be huge for a lot of pediatric practices. For any of my NECP family, um, we have already ordered doses. And as soon as, did, has the FDA, I know that Burback gave the thing. Has the FDA said yes yet? As, yet. Soon as, as soon as the FDA gives their official like cha-ching, word on the street is the, the manufacturer can start shipping doses. And then we have to wait until the ACIP meets, which is, next week, the 2nd and 3rd of November, to be able to start administering doses. And in my office, the plan is we are going to start scheduling clinics 
that next week. So probably like that second week in November is when we are likely to start vaccinating in my office. And um, I did have a good question. Someone in in one of my stories asked if, par if parents should absolutely get this at their pediatrician or can they go to Walgreens, Kroger's, whatever. I don't care where you go. I think that going to your pediatrician's office is great if they have it and if they have availability. I do know that it's going, it is a lot of work for us because um, we are asking our staff who is very overworked right now. They are exhausted. Um, and they have been through, like in my office, they've been through 12 and over clinics where they were working extra hours, like beyond the hours they normally work. They are getting paid and getting incentives, but still now they're doing flu clinics again, above and beyond their hours. Not to mention the fact that until actually like this past week, our sick visits have dropped, but until then, all summer like it all summer long and the first part of fall like we have been busting at the seams and our medical assistants are probably going home and collapsing every single day after work so and now we're saying hi guys guess what we know that you've been busting your asses for the past you know five months but can we bust our asses a little first, a little more and do more clinics, more after hours, more Saturdays? Because everybody wants to come in on a Saturday and work. Um, so we're offering incentives. We're doing that to our staff. We are doing our best to keep our staff, um, you know, well compensated. But it, it is, a, I mean, it's Crumble hard. Cookies. I highly recommend crumble cookies. Oh, we do. We do like the crumble cookies. And we've had some amazing... We've had some if wonderful they, parents that have dropped off treats. To any of our offices, we would happily accept. Yes. Those are so good. So I want to address, are you, do you have more to address from the meeting the other day? No, I just had one more quick thing. Cause I know we're already getting into after hours, friend. I know. Okay. One more quick thing. Uh, I'm getting the question a lot. I have a, a large 11 year old or a very small five-year-old should I wait until my kid turns 12 should, to get the bigger dose if my kid's really big if my kid's really small can I a 12 year old's really small can I request a smaller dose one of the things that I learned at the meeting that was very interesting was um, they if you look on the online you can find the brief here it's 80 81 glorious pages and in and a couple of these uh, graphs are really interesting that they included their phase one trial data that included their dosing studies. So what they did was they looked at a group of individuals and they gave them 10, 20, or 30 micrograms. The kids, the 5 to 11-year-olds, they gave them 10, 20, or 30 micrograms. They looked at the effects of that vaccine. Later on, they compared immunogenicity to the 1624 cohort. So this was a really important group of kids. And what they found was is they gave a full 30 mic dose to four children before the directors that were running the study made them stop because those kids were becoming so reactogenetic. A hundred percent headache, a hundred percent fatigue, a hundred percent muscle pain. Uh, I'm sorry, 75% headache, really significant side effects. And so after four kids, they said no. Yeah. And then they went down to 10 and 20. So the answer is the reason I bring that up is because at the end of the at the end of this study, the 10 micrograms gave the same immunogenicity as the 16 to 24s. 
So if you have a choice, you want the lower dose. You're going to get less side effects, but you're going to get right. benefit. Discussion points that they had, and a good explanation from an immunologist I trust was, as the immune system goes through puberty, you you develop an adult immune system after you go through puberty. So the number, the, the age of 12 was chosen because that is the average age of puberty completion all comer. And so that is why that particular one was chosen. So if you have a, if you have a large 11 year old that hasn't gone through puberty, you're still better off going through the 10 mic because it, those are dosed by immune effects. They are not dosed by weight. So it is my opinion. I would expect that the ACIP next week is going to say, it doesn't matter what the weight is. It doesn't matter what the size is. If you yeah. are of a certain age, you are of a certain Im immunologic maturity. And if right. you are of a certain immune status maturity, you are going to get a certain effect with a lower dose. Lower doses, lower side effects, that's what we want. Right. And so if you have an 11 year old, big or small, you want the, you want the 10 mic dose. Right. Yeah, I think I cannot stress this enough. And we have a great question. Um, Jamie Lynn Anthony is asking, and I like that she is asking what everybody else is asking about weight and having petite children versus, you know, you know, there, there's comments on both sides. I have a petite 12 year old. I have a large 11 year old. And just like Dr. Natasha said that like vaccines are not based on weight. They never have been. I don't believe they ever will be. Um, They're based on your immune response and your immune response is based on your age. And so again, that's another reason why we who are pediatricians that follow the science and follow the recommendations have not been giving vaccine off label to 11 year olds. I know there are some that have but that is not okay. Like that's the whole point is that we're following this science. And, and, and the reality is probably your 12 and 13 year old would be fine with a 10 microgram dose. Like, but, but that's not what the science is, but that the reality is that that would probably be the case. And I think that there's probably going to be some, at least I hope there's going to be some guidance for us about what do we do for those kids that are, 11 when they get their first dose and then they turn 12. What we in the pediatric community have all been saying is that, well, you give them the 10 microgram dose at first and then you give them the 30 microgram dose the second. And maybe that's the right thing to do. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I also don't think there's anything wrong if you give them the 10 microgram dose when they're 12 years old in one week, if they got the 10 microgram dose when they were 11. Like, I, you know, I think it's, it's, I don't know. And we like, again, like Natasha said, we'll find out more next week i do think i do want to talk about quickly what okay, we gotta get should... to after hours we gotta get to after hours i know i know but like we need to talk to parents about what to do if their kids had a COVID infection already because i'm oh, getting that yes. question so many times yes yes if yes, your yes. child had a COVID infection should you vaccinate them or not what do you think dr natasha yes but i also will say if your kid had a COVID infection in the last month, month okay. and a half, and you want to wait and see because you just want to make sure. I mean, again, I don't think there's any reason for any of us to think there will be any safety signals or any concerns. But I have some parents that are like, is it okay if I just wait? 
And honestly, if your kid had COVID in the past month, yeah, it's it's okay. You can yeah. absolutely wait. Well, and if anything, you could just step aside while the herd comes behind you. Yeah. Because you are going to get trampled. So, <laughs> it's going to so be yeah. like the Who concert in the 70s. Yes. Like you're going to write, going right into the mosh pit. Do yeah. they still have mosh pits? They probably don't. Am I old? I, I have not been to any concerts with mosh pits, but the last yeah, concert I went to was Michael Bublé. I, so. I don't think Michael Bublé had a mosh pit at baseline. Yeah, so, and I also don't think there is any reason at all to get antibody titers, to check antibodies, like, no. And if your we kid has COVID, if your kid had COVID and you want to get them vaccinated, the only specification as of now that we know, if, if they change it, the ACIP could say something different, but if it's, if as long as they've had their symptoms started 10 days, like they're out of their isolation window, and their symptoms are getting better. Like we have no reason to believe that they'll change that. That's what the recommendation is for adults. That if you're outside your isolation window and you are symptoms are improving, then you can get vaccinated. So, absolutely. I was talking to one of the infectious disease specialists at Children's Mercy, our local children's hospital, about this problem specifically. The way that she described it to me was. Of course, after you have an infection, of course you're going to have some immunity. Of course you are against the strain that your body saw. And so what the vaccine does is has some antigenic broadening so that you potentially could have additional, uh, additional protection against potential variants that might come our way. Because until the world is vaccinated, we're all still, all still susceptible to those variants. Is, if your kid had wild type COVID infection, Will they get sick enough to go to the hospital? And likely no. But every time a kid gets a COVID infection, they are at risk for MISC and they are at risk for long COVID. And so getting vaccinated help pro helps protect a child from those experiences of potentially repeat infection. That's how yeah. she described it to me. Okay. Uh oh. After hours. After hours. And you know what we're kicking it off with? What? what do we want all of our families to do before Halloween? Get their flu shots. Oh, hi, Dr. Kevin. Are you getting your flu shot again, Dr. Natasha? I am. You are late to the game, friend. I got my flu shot in September. What's up, Dr. Kevin? You can't get your flu shot that early. It wears off. Bull. Bull humpy. <laughs> Oh, look at those guns. Look at those guns. She doesn't need a Peloton. No, she doesn't. <laughs> no. Are you, maybe you broke, did you break it, Kevin? Did you do that on purpose? So much use. So much use. <laughs> Just broke it right in half. Look at this. Get it in that deltoid. Second annual Mass Off Life flu shot. That's right. She got it on live last year. Look at this. Oh, what's he doing? Come on, Dr. Kevin. I'm just, what the hell? I'm waiting for her to cry. Stop. Don't they cry? Stop, stop, no. stop. Ow. Give her the dang shot. Yay! Yay! She didn't bleed this time. Last time she bled. <laughs> Should you I'm getting kiss better it? at this. Did you give Should me you a kiss it so she heals? Give her a Band-Aid. Give her a Band-Aid. Band he didn't give me a Band-Aid, people. The hell? I don't do this. This isn't my job. <laughs> I am not qualified for this. Says, Thank says you, Dr. Kevin. 
Who's the man with the Mountain Dew? The, the pediatrician with the Mountain Dew t-shirt on. Yeah, I keep don't it know about real. That. Keep it real, peeps. <laughs> oh my goodness, Matt. Oh, after hours. After hours, folks, for your favorite game. Hell no, let's go. Woo! Are we gonna do that first, or are we gonna do our special trick or treat game? All right, friends. We've got a special Halloween treat for you for After Hours, uh, the Halloween edition. This was Dr. Nicole's idea. Dr. Nicole, would you like to say the rules of the game? Dr. Natasha and I have found an amazing list of which wines pair best with your favorite Halloween candy. We each have our Halloween candies. We are going to show you the Halloween candy, and then you guys get to guess which one pairs best. And then we're each going to taste and see how it goes. Right? And then we will, and meanwhile, we will be going through your Hell No Let's Go questions. So do you want to choose, do you want to choose a candy first, or do you want me to? No, it's your game, you go Okay, um, I gotta look at the cheater, okay. Skittles. Skittles. What wine pairs best with Skittles? And while we're, while you guys are answering, you want to do a hell no, let's go real quick yeah, while they're answering? Let's go while you answer. Okay. What wine pairs what best with Skittles? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have a hell no, let's go? Or I have I one. I do. Okay. Dad is a teacher. He is vaccinated and planning to get a booster uh going to is it okay if he goes to a thanksgiving with three and four year olds and not wear a mask so as as you so like to say dr natasha the vaccines protect the vaccinated and what we know about boosters is you get uh, better protection against Delta with boosters. So I would say, let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's go. go. Let's go. I'm seeing a lot of votes for whites. A lot of whites. Lot I like Jen Chicago. that said boxed wine. Boxed, always, always, always available. But we got a lot of soft blancs, little pinos. Okay. I gotta see if I can What's open the next skills. Okay. So the answer for anybody who guessed. Sauvignon Blanc. Oh! That is the answer. And let me read, let me read the explanation. It says, the crisp citrus and melon flavors in this wine are a great match for the Skittles fruitiness. Don't worry about the pairing being too sweet. The wine's dry style and zesty acidity cut right through. So I'm trying to open the dang Skittles. <laughs> I seriously can't get them open. Ooh, All right. Bell would not use her teeth like that. Hold on. Okay. You, uh, I need to go get some scissors. I'll be right back. You okay, keep talking. Okay, how now? Let's go. This one's easy. And the good thing is, is that these hell no let's goes, you guys, which, I mean, they're really trending in the let's go to category, which is awesome because those of you who have watched Mass Off Live, for a long time, realized how many times we said hello. And having all of these vaccines lets us say, let's go. First birthday party outside with vaccinated parents. Let's go. That's an easy 
one, right? Let's go. Um, I'm going to Washington, D.C. after my eight-year-old is vaccinated. Parents are vaccinated. Let's go. Let's go, people. Let's do it. An outdoor, uh, an outdoor, outdoor wedding mixed vaccinated status. Our kids will be vaccinated before they go. Let's go. I mean, we can okay. have a let's go. Okay, how'd it go? How's it taste? I got, I got my Skittles. I think you have to take a whole handful of the Skittles. You just can't take one. I have two. You think a whole handful? Yeah, like you gotta, you know. Do I need to do the Skittles first? I would like you all to see my, this is my wine glass that I'm drinking my things out of. It says, I'm not throwing away my shot. <laughs> because I have my other stuff. In, I have my, my Pinot Grigio in here. Okay, so I eat the Skittles first and then drink it. Right? Your game. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> This is hard as you. <laughs> cup. Hold on. I'm going to drink it with those Skittles in my mouth. Okay, let's see if it cuts through. How Pretty is good. It? Is it good? Well, I love Skittles. Let's go. Okay, hell no, let's go. You um, need to do a candy. Hold on, get a candy. Okay. Oh. See, I've mixed, I mixed them up. You're going to have to work with me, Nicole, on my pairings because... You know what I'm saying. The next one is a Snickers bar. A Snickers bar. What wine pairs was with the Snickers bar? Can I ask? Let me ask some hell no let's goes. Oh, okay. So apartment complex, trick or treat, indoors, very close space. This is kind of like a, not necessarily hell no let's go, but mask or no mask. Indoor Halloween? Indoor Halloween apartment complex, mask, no mask. Mask. I think so too. I think go, I think do Halloween. Oh yeah, go. But put your kid in a mask, unless they're the only kid trick-or-treating in the hallway. But I just I just see like this group of lots and lots of kids in the hallway and everybody's like, trick-or-treat! And then they're eating their candy in between the doors and just like probably put a mask on them. I'm seeing a lot of reds, clearly. Merlots, Pinot Noirs, Cabs. I like that someone said Pink Noir. <laughs> I think you meant Pinot, but it probably auto-corrected the pink. Uh, what, what is it, Dr. Natasha? What pairs best with Snickers? The richness, the complexity of the Snicker, got the peanut, the nougat. The correct answer is the cab. the cab. The cab. The cab. The cab. Is the cab. Okay. We got, some smart, we got some wine drinkers in this audience, by the way. There's well, of course, of course we do. I mean, that's how we roll, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Should we, I have a... out, should we mask outside for Halloween? Hell no. No. Hell no. No. And then I live in an apartment complex. Mask, mask, mask. Yeah. Okay. So I have... Um, Halloween is going to be awesome I'm expecting a million kids for Halloween, by the way, because I think there were a lot of families that were like, didn't go last year. Yeah. Do you feel that way? I do. Uh, no, because in where I live, COVID has never existed. Oh, okay. Well, we got so. COVID here, so I just think that there's going to be a there's going to be a lot of kids out, which will be awesome. Please. Yes. Do. 
Halloween so, in general is a let's go. Okay, I have a question. Vaccinated kids. Wait, what's your candy? Your turn. Oh, you just said okay. Ooh, Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids. I got the sour candy. What do you think, Sour Patch Kids? And I've got my scissors so I can open the dang things. Um, so speaking of sour children, if your children are vaccinated, should you or can you have unvaccinated kids over to play for a play date? What do I always say? The vaccine protects the vaccinated. So I think if you if you just say uh, uh, your kids are vaccinated and protected, your kid then yes, you can you can invite whoever you want to come over. I would mm -hmm. say I would say yes. Um, I would if, if I knew a child that was unvaccinated in my house, I'd still make my vaccinated kids mask. But that's because I'm neurotic. I was gonna say I don't think I would, but yeah, I think but, I think that's fine. Absolutely, okay. they can come over to your house, and absolutely they can be invited over and welcomed for Thanksgiving. You want me to you want me to give you the wine? No, let me give you this one. Let me give you this one real quick. This is a good one. Okay. Indoor restaurant, 94-year-old grandma's birthday. Indoor restaurant. Many people will be unvaccinated. Bring your four and six-year-old. Do I go and bring my four and six-year-old? Oh, God. Probably, because it's grandma's 94th birthday. I mean, here's the way I look at it. In my opinion, if your rate community rates, look at your community rates. See, I'd say, I'd say I'd say I'd say no low on that one. Really? I'd say the adults should go. It's your ninety-four-year-old grandma. I would definitely want the adults to go, mm -hmm. and I would want my kids to celebrate with grandma. But I'm still not taking unvaccinated little littles into an into a dining establishment where I know there's going to be a whole bunch of unvaccinated people. The six-year-old could be vaccinated. No, it's true. Good point. But I don't think you'd take one. Well, that means you just leave the two-year-old or four-year-old at home by themselves. I mean, I guess It'll that's be okay. I Give up some candy and some wine. Should be candy and wine. Should be fine. What could go You're wrong? Fine. But, okay. Yeah. I need to show you the wine. We're like getting past this. Okay. Sorry. The was, sour patch is like out gonna, of my mouth. I was going to guess. I was going to guess Riesling. You guessed wrong. Okay. Pinot Grigio. Shall I read you why? Yeah. I didn't make these up, people. I got this off the interwebs. Oh, so, so it has to be true. When you reach for a handful of this colorful, sour, sweet candy, be sure you have a glass of Pinot Grigio in the other hand, which I do right here, because that's what I drink. This wine has subtle floral peach and citrus aromas that stand up surprisingly well to these tangy candies. Lovely. Is someone someone made a comment that said vodka and uh, Sour Patch Kids was so college. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we're bringing y'all back to your college days. Yeah, gonna go, I to the candy. Gonna get you a pack of Zimas and go nuts. Somebody said they were like, Zima and Jolly Ranchers. That yeah. was the first drink. Zima was the first drink I ever got really drunk off of. I might not have been 21 when I did that. that did and not I can I cannot even look at Zimas. I yeah, cannot no. look at them. It makes me want to vomit. Like yeah, that is not good. That is not good. Peach. What's your, what's your next candy? Okay. 
Uh, the next candy is Kit Kat. Give Those me a break. Give me a break. Give me a break. Give me off a piece of that Kit okay. Kat bar. Okay. So now you got to figure out, guys, what? What wine pairs best with a delicious Kit Kat bar? So I have a hell no let's go that sort of relates to what we were just talking about, sort of. If your entire family is vaccinated, should you eat at an indoor restaurant? Coach, go. I'm, I, yeah, yes, I, I think. That's a let's go for me. Are you eating at indoor restaurants? Me and Ayala have. I was until Delta hit. Now that I've had a booster and my numbers are down in my community, I think I'll feel better about it. Fair. But it makes zero sense how I live my life because I went to a Michael Bublé concert. Yeah, but you guys were masked, right? Did you have to mask? We did not have to mask, but we had to be vaccinated or had a negative test within 72 hours. And there weren't a lot of people there. <laughs> so it was spread out. <laughs> I felt okay about it. Hey, I went to a concert. Me and Ayala went to a concert. A sold out concert. But it was it outside? No, it was at the Uptown. Nice. We went, to a, we went to the Trey Kennedy concert, if anyone loves Trey Kennedy as much as I do. He lives in Kansas City. He is amazing. He's super, super funny. And we went to, it was the first comedy show I've seen in a couple of years, probably three years, actually. And it was amazing. Little plug for Trey. Okay, um, so everyone is saying, got a lot of us for Pinot Noir. Uh, Merlot, Merlot, Malbec. Someone said Rosé, Cab. What's the Kit Kat one? The answer is Zinfandel. Zinfandel. You, you like mix this up big time. That's what I believe pairs best with, with the Kit Kat bar. Okay. Tell me. Drink some. Tell me how it pairs. I can have my own independent opinion. I don't need to read it off the internet to know the answer. No Are you a sommelier? Is that how you say it? Sommelier? See, I like it because it's a little bit more acidic to my palate. I like the sweetness of the Kit Kat, the richness of the chocolate, a little bit of the more acidic of the Zin. It's a little lighter, of course, than the Cab, not as heavy for that pairs well with the Snickers. I think it works. Okay, good. I love it. I don't have that sophisticated of a palate, clearly, which is why I drink, eat Sour Patch Kids with Pinot Grigio. Fair enough. Okay, what's your next candy? My next candy? It's a classic. This is the one we've all wanted. Everybody has been dying their whole life, right? If there's one candy, you guys have been like, what wine should I drink with this candy? You're Who's killing me. Is anybody? You're killing me. You're killing me. Are you ready? I'm ready. It the is classic, the classic candy. The classic candy corn. Of course. Why would that not be in the mix? Why would you not ask? If, if you have not ever thought in your life as you were eating candy corn, I wonder what wine would what pair wine best with this. Tonight, this is why tonight, you will get the answer. This is why Dr. Natasha and I are here. <laughs> it's not about vaccines. It's not about wearing masks. It's all about answering the deep life questions. What wine should you drink with your candy corn? Okay. Okay. What's your, you got more hell no, let's go. <laughs> wine for the toilet in prison. 
this seems to be this seems to be a tough one. This seems to be a tough one. Okay, here's your how no let's go. Daycare party with the daycare kids and their parents. No mat, no masks. Daycare party with daycare kids, no masks. Well, they're in daycare, so they're basically like your circle, right? So I think that's fine. I think so too. I think that's a let's go. Yeah. Yes. Uh, fully vaxxed family with a five and an eight year old. Fully vaxxed family. What? Fully vaxxed family with a five and an eight year old. Do I go to Thanksgiving? Yes. Go. Yes. 100%. Go. 100%. What about holidays? I had a couple holiday questions. Holidays with unvaccinated family and kids too young to be vaccinated. So you have, you're vaccinated, your kids are too young, you're going to your sister-in-law's house and people are not vaccinated. Okay, I think this is a really good question. A couple of different reasons, because this is gonna tie in nicely to next MassSoft Live, I think, when we talk about rapid testing. This, this is exactly the type of hell no, let's go, that, that the rapid testing, the home testing becomes very relevant. At the surface, I'm gonna say, let's go. At the surface, I'm gonna say, let's go. But this is the exact situation in which home testing could really be valuable. And we are gonna talk about, sneak peek, don't wanna give it away, but we're gonna talk about home testing on next Mass Off Live right before Thanksgiving because these type of questions are exactly what home testing, I think, would really be helpful for. Do you agree? Yes. Now, I have a caveat or a second question. Do you change your thought if the kids are old enough to be vaccinated? So well, if, yes. you're, if you're vaccinated and your kids are vaccinated, do you feel differently about visiting unvaccinated family for the holidays? If those unvaccinated individuals are old enough to have the choice to be vaccinated and have access to the vaccine and have chosen not to, then yes, I am going to go. Let's go, let's go. They've had the choice. Yep, right? and they've made that choice. They've made that choice. The I'm a little disappointed that not many of you guys have really commented on what wine goes best with candy corn. No, it hasn't been a lot. It hasn't been a lot. I, I do need to say to Jen, though, I love this. How much wine would I need to drink to get drunk enough to eat candy corn? That's a fair question. That's a very fair question. And since Jen is the one that commented, I do have to comment on my, has anybody seen my manicure tonight? Your mask off live Manny, here we go. Here we go. I had to go very fall, had to do some green, but some glitter. Um, I will be changing it tomorrow. They're due to be redone, but I had to leave them. So anyways. Okay. Okay. I think the answer, I think the answer for the candy corn, I think in my mind, something that has to cleanse the palate. It has to cleanse the palate. And there's a lot of sweetness there. I'm gonna say bubbles. I'm gonna say champagne. I'm gonna say champagne with the candy corn. You'd be wrong. <laughs> What's the correct answer? What, what is that? What is that small little bottle? Chardonnay. What the hell, what the hell is that? This is the smallest <laughs> bottle of Chardonnay. This is the smallest bottle of Chardonnay I could find at Walgreens because I don't like Chardonnay. So I, fi I figured what's the point of buying a whole damn bottle when I'm not gonna drink it? So 
they had these cute little bottles and I was like, cause I knew we were playing this freaking game. I was gonna have to drink some damn Chardonnay even though I don't like it. Okay, well, hey, then maybe this is your hand. Maybe you've never liked it because you've never had the candy corn with it. Is the candy corn in the mouth? I can't tell. I ate, I ate a couple pieces okay. already. A couple pieces. My mouth is coated in sugar. <laughs> Still don't like Chardonnay. Maybe it's the fact. Maybe it's the fact that it's barefoot Chardonnay. I don't know. It's Chardonnay. It's Chardonnay you bought at Walgreens. <laughs> Not a fan. Okay. But for anybody who loves Chardonnay, get a good bottle of Chardonnay <laughs> and a nice bag of some classic candy corn, and DM me how it goes. Okay, I've got. I I've can't got even more. drink the rest of this. Okay, what's your can? What's your last okay, candy? I got one more. I got one more candy. I got one more candy. This is it. This is it. My candy is is a classic. It is something commonly one would find when we went to the movies. Okay, I did go to the movies actually for the first time recently. I went to go see the new 007 movie. This was not the candy I chose at the time. However, I would have if I frequented movie theaters. This Hold on, are you a candy or a popcorn girl at the movies? Kevin gets popcorn. Kevin always gets popcorn. Because he's a smart man. Because yeah. popcorn is what you're supposed to get. So I'm always good with the popcorn. So even if I don't feel like popcorn, I know he's going to get it. So I always get a candy because I know he's going to get the popcorn. Typically, I get the junior mint. Okay, to match with the popcorn. I think that's the best pairing here. But for the pairing tonight, Whoppers. Yep, it's upside down, but that's okay. <laughs> awesome. What pairs the best? And this is my decision. This isn't your internet whatever research, your internet research you do. Well, that's just because you drink a lot more wine than I do, and you're more versed in this. The Whopper has a, it has a greasy residue little leaves behind that is true so you, so get you the need malt. something strong to cut that you get the malt flavor but it's the greasy residue that you have to pair perfectly you gotta cut through that you gotta cut through it okay you have more hell no let's go yep okay i'm going to a brother-in-law's wedding the bride and groom are anti-vaccine we are boosted me and my husband vaccinated boosted. Do I take my one and three year old? No. Why would you want to go to a wedding with a one and three year old anyways? Number I one. Think, yeah. We number two. Don't buy him a present. Oh, good call. Good call. That's really mean. I don't mean that, but I do kind of. It's after hours. You can say that. Uh, Somebody said. Toilet water also belongs with Whoppers. So, so we, so Sour Patch Kids and Whoppers are toilet water. Someone said, uh, Boulevard beer. Boulevard, that must be a Kansas Cityan. Dude, I love Whoppers, you guys. They're so good. Boons. <laughs> two buck chuck. Two buck chuck. Do you guys have two buck chuck in Kansas City? We do. We're down. Candy corn and Whoppers toilet. Why is everyone down on the Whoppers? I mean, I understand the candy corn, but the Whoppers are good. Okay. So what, what do you have? What, what goes best? 
Best. The answer is, the answer is Pinot Noir. I was thinking, yeah. Pinot Noir. I'm a fan of the Pinot Noir. The lightness, I'm out of glasses. I'm going to take it straight from the bottle. Okay. <laughs> mm, see, it cuts the grease. It cuts the grease of the Whopper. It's a little lighter. It's not adding to the flavor. It's not adding any, it's not too many layers. You can't add too many layers. I'm still tasting the malt, but my palate has been cleaned and it doesn't feel greasy. There you go. You need your guzzle buddy. I do need my guzzle buddy. I do need my guzzle buddy. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna actually move back to the Kit Kat, but carry on. Carry on. Do you have um, any I don't know that I have any other, oh, I have a, this is a good question. It's sort of on the let's go, but just got my booster, like me. Just got your booster. Is it safe to not wear a mask? Question mark. What say you, Dr. Natasha? Okay. I'm going to answer it in two ways. And I don't mean to hedge, but this is what I'm going to say. I think I am not, if you got that booster, I am not worried that you are going to be infected or have significant disease from COVID. Two weeks <laughs> after. Yeah, two weeks after. Remember, friends, you got to make those antibodies. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about you, friend. Like, you can walk in, and I am not going to be any place that you walk in, dining establishment, con a Michael Blue Bay concert. You can walk in. To, well, I mean, nobody's there, so that's different. But, I mean, you can walk You can walk really in. damn funny. It was a good concert. I'm just going to say, anybody who was there. You know what's was funny? Ray Kennedy. Now that was funny. No, he's funny. And he can sing. And he drops the F-bomb like a boss. So can, so can Trey Kennedy. He sang a song about multi-level marketing that was hilarious. My point being, I don't care about that person. But I am still just weird enough that even though I am boosted, I am still wearing a mask in indoor places. Because I am around kids with COVID every, nearly every day. Nearly every day I am seeing a child with COVID. And so I know that potentially COVID is living in my respiratory tract and I might not even know. It. So I wear a mask for the health and safety of others. I am not worried about that person's vaccinated. So if you like get your booster and you work at home and you're never around anybody that you're you're not around people that you know that you've had COVID, you can clearly walk into places, not be a risk to others and not be a risk to yourself. Right. Um, my situation is different because I am around people that I know are sick. And so I and, care about my community. And reading between the lines, this is just because Natasha and I are neurotic. Like this is, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, there was a time in June, maybe at the beginning of July, where I didn't wear a mask into places. True. Delta wasn't really hitting yet. And yeah. numbers were low, and I was confident in my vaccination. And so I just got boosted yesterday. So in two weeks from now, am I going to be confident in my vaccination? Yes. Am I going to be confident that I am not going to get very sick from COVID? Yes. Am I going to be confident that it is very low likelihood for me to bring that home to my family or spread it to others? Yes. Am I still psychotic enough? to put a freaking mask on my face, probably. And it makes zero sense. Zero sense, friends. I like it, right? 
Like it's so, illogical. Okay. okay, so when, I mean, our world is a little bit different too because we are still seeing a ton of unvaccinated kids. Like our, 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 our daily life, you and I's daily life is still completely focused in seeing children that we know are not protected. Co like, okay, but here's what I'm gonna say about that. Which I think screws with our brains a little bit. But devil's advocate, Natasha. Are you wearing a mask when you see those kids? Yeah. Yeah. Are you wearing an N95 when you see a sick kid that yeah. could potentially have COVID? Yes. Yeah. So the risk of us getting COVID, I have made it 20 months and haven't gotten COVID. I made it an entire year, basically, unvaccinated, didn't get COVID. So think about that. It's like, I get it. Like it's, it's this, like my brain is like mush thinking about this stuff because the reality is, here's what I think. Here's why I think I will still wear a mask is I think because I see my patients in the grocery store, I see my patients places and I feel like I should be an example because I mean, most of my patients know what I do on social media. They're pretty cool and they follow me, but I can't say they see every single thing that I do on social media. So they may or may not know that I've had my booster. And so if they don't know I've had my booster and they see me walking around the local Kroger and I don't have my mask on, like what, I don't know what message that's sending. So it's, it, it doesn't like, I, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but let me just like put it this way. Because other kids, other kids in those Kroger's haven't had an opportunity to be vaccinated. You know that there is other another kid in that Kroger who hasn't had the opportunity to have the protection that you've had, and that's and you're respecting that individual. I think we'll really drop. I don't know if we'll ever drop masks in our pediatric office, like for sick kids. But I don't. But once once our kids have the once our six month clusters, once everybody who's going to be able to get vaccinated has the opportunity to do so. I really hope that we drop masks for well visits, and I hope that I feel comfortable going into the grocery store and saying that once we have our kids vaccinated. But as a pediatrician, the fact that the the fact that the children are so dismissed in this pandemic. To most people that walk into that Kroger, they don't even think about the fact that all of those little kids that are in the Kroger have, don't even have the opportunity to get vaccinated. That, that well, to me as a pediatrician is just like, it blows my mind. And so until that happens, until everybody gets the, until everybody gets their opportunity, I'm gonna be wearing a mask. And, and then- How do you feel though about like, what kind of pisses me off is the kids that are walking around Kroger not wearing a mask because their parents aren't wearing a mask. And the parents are taking them into prison, and that just pisses me off. Understood, but I'm not parenting that child. All I You're can right. Do, all I can do is know that, hey, uh, what I would like to do is come up to that parent and say, you know what? Did you know yesterday I saw two kids with COVID, and I was in a really, really small 10 by 10 room with them, and I like was taking care of them and making sure that they were okay. And I'm still wearing a mask because I want to make sure that your kid doesn't get sick, and I've had three vaccines. You're welcome. That's right. You know what? I really do believe that what we do is a privilege. And the level of education that we have is a privilege. The level of, the level of education that the mask off livers who are wearing this is a privilege. We understand risk benefit different than the general population, and we can leverage that for good. 
And I think that I think that we need to settle into that and, and be comfortable with that and know that we're doing the right thing. And I actually bought a little sticker yesterday. Oh, I have it on my desk. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to put it on my computer. I'm going to put it on my computer. Oh my gosh. Okay. While she's doing that, like life update friends, I want to tell you this. Natasha will hopefully hear this. Are you ready for my life update? Yeah. Remember last time when we talked about like, maybe I was going to get a puppy. Maybe I wasn't going to get a puppy. I didn't know if I was going to get a puppy. I'm getting a puppy. Puppy will be born sometime at the beginning of November. Puppy will come to my home sometime in January. And y'all can help me send me some DMs for some good girl puppy names because we're in a fight in my house. Nobody likes my girl puppy names. What are the current girl puppy names in the running? Well, here, let me first say I have a Bella and a Scarlet already. I have two dogs already, Bella and Scarlet. So I like Ruby. I like Poppy because of Princess Poppy because she's, I love Princess Poppy. Uh, those are the two ones that I like. Kendall likes Beckett. I feel like that's a boy name, but that's, that's kind of because of what I'm watching, what I'm reading, what I'm listening to kind of thing is Beckett. Brad doesn't have an opinion. I don't know. So, okay. So Ruby. Okay. Ruby. Poppy. What I'm hearing is what I'm hearing in my, what I'm hearing you say is you're looking for a two syllable word that ends in the Y sound. Fauci. For a girl? <laughs> Just say, no, like, Poppy, here's the deal. Ruby, Fauci, it's all the same. Here's the reality. Scarlet is named after the Avengers, Scarlet Witch and Scarlet Johansson, who plays Black Widow. And if we were not BFFs, I would probably name a dog Tasha after... Natasha Romanoff, who is Black Widow. However, I don't feel it's okay to name a dog after your friend. So therefore, <laughs> that eliminates Black Widow, even though I love Black Widow. I, I feel just blessed to be part of this conversation. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Okay. This is my sticker. And we got to go. It's the end of the show. Okay. Well, but we started, re remember, we started late-ish because. Okay. Why did I grab the sticker? I don't freaking know. You're going to put it on your computer. You got it for some reason. Okay. I love the stickers. I love the vinyl stickers for the, for the hydroplast and the, and the computers. I put stickers on things. Oh, this is why. This way, because we were talking about the mask, and we're still wearing a mask, and people people are not wearing a mask, and their kids don't wear a mask, and we're doing it. At the end of the day, there is going to be, at the when we're old, when we're old and gray, and our kids have kids, there is going to be a chapter of a book that this this life history that we are living right now is going to be limited to thirty pages in a in an e textbook. Or a, or a high, or a, or a hologram. They're just going to download it into their brain. It's going to be a microchip. They're going to download it into their brains. And that's all it's going to be. It's going to be like a test over 9-11, like these kids take, right? They take a test over 9-11 when this was our life experience. And someday 
these kids are living and we are living in a place that's just going to be a chapter or a few pages in a textbook because we're going to move past and this is going to end and it's going to be over. And for you and I, and for our families, I just want to, to know that when, when my grandkids read that textbook and they ask me about that, this is what I want to be. And it's going to, can you read it? Be on the right side of history. And so I got this little sticker because it's hard, right? Like it's hard when I'm tired. And I think when you talk about the burnout, like there's a lot of people that healthcare professionals leaving the profession and all of this kind of stuff. And, and the burnout is real because the burnout is, the burnout is because my buddies that work at, that work at T-Mobile, they can go to their offices and they can like chill out and they can like, choose not to read anything about COVID and they can choose not to turn, not to read that. And they can focus their energy on the markets and they can focus their energy on things of, of other interests and they can tap into what's happening with the pandemic when they want to. And our lives, we can't do that. Like for the last 20 months, every single day, we have been reading headlines and reading more and this pandemic, even after we've been vaccinated and boosted and our family started gets vaccinated, we're constantly having to do this risk benefit and start and keep researching and keep researching because it matters to the families we care about. Like this has never left us. Every single day, this has never left us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as much as I hate it sometimes and as much as I want to escape from it. I think that there's a sense of responsibility to it. And, and so I just, so I bought this sticker because on the days that I just want to say F it and just walk into penthouse and be like, dude, too bad for you. Like, sorry, you didn't make the right choice. If I blow COVID in your face, I don't know. I just, so I got this, so I got this sticker to remind myself that, that fighting the fight is important and it's, we are going to get to the other side. And when we get to the other side, I want to be on the right side. And alive. <laughs> and alive. <laughs> and not fighting with all of my family. <laughs> Fully vaccinated and alive. And we probably don't have time for watching, reading, Listen oh, I'll do it really quickly. I'm watching um, Imposters, which is amazing. I'm reading um, Writing Tools, another book. I graduate next Friday, dude. I graduate from Harvard next Friday. So our next episode will be the graduation I episode. Yes, I graduate on Friday. I've got one more assignment, then I graduate next Friday. I know, unfortunately, I won't be in Cambridge, but it's going to be a vert. I get to be one of the, I get to be one of the graduates who have a virtual graduation. It's going to be awesome. Are you uh, going to wear like a cap and gown? Are you going to get out your med school like hoodie? Oh, and I don't your know. Oh, hi, Emmy Jen. Good to see you. Um, I don't, I should, maybe I should get a hat. I should get a hat. Maybe a, maybe something. I don't know. Do uh, you not have your stuff from medical school still? You like have your stuff from medical school? Well, you rent yeah. it. I'm going to give it back. Dude, I'm wearing it the next episode. Okay. Graduation. The graduation episode. Uh, yeah, so that's happening. But anyway, so I'm reading one of my final books for that. And then I'm listening to, I'm listening to a Spotify playlist that helped me study. I'm listening to nothing else. What are you doing? 
So what I haven't really been reading anything lately other than papers from the FDA briefing documents. Um, and what I'm listening to is the same. Oh, um, oh, I just found a new podcast. It's called Believe Her. And it's by, it's a Lemonada, you know, so Lemonada does uh yeah. slab it show and all that kind of stuff and it's all about uh i mean and it's a trigger trigger warning like women who have been um subject to domestic violence and it goes through like right now they're talking about the story of a woman who ended up ending the life of her partner and then she and you know she went to jail and it talks about how like the only time we believe the victim is when the victim ends up dead like we're not believing the victim when the victim actually fought back kind of stuff. So it's very intriguing. So mm -hmm. I like that. Believe, believe her. Lemonada media. And uh, I'm watching. Okay. This is what, this is what got all this started. Hey, did you ever watch castle when castle was on? Oh my gosh. I heart castle. Does anybody love castle? Who loves castle? Does anybody <laughs> on here still loves castle? We used to watch it all the time. When Kendall was little, she was maybe 12 or 13, it would scare her. And so we couldn't watch it, like, because it's all, it's like murder mystery, you know, very funny, cheeky. And so it's, so I just started, I was watching the other day on cable TV and there was an episode. And I was like, oh, I miss Castle. I love it. So it's on Hulu. So we started watching again. And now Kendall, who's 17, who doesn't get terrified of all this stuff, we've been watching Castle together. So that's very good. So that's where Beckett came from because the detective's name in Castle is Kate Beckett. Her last name is Beckett. And they call her Beckett. And so that's where, you know, we kind of try to name the dog something that kind of means something to us a little bit. So that's where Beckett came from. But what, anyways. That's probably it, and we probably need to go. I gotta finish my Whoppers. I gotta go. And then you gotta eat dinner with your Whoppers. I still didn't drink my Chardonnay. Okay. Just <laughs> I took I took a sip of it, and I couldn't do it. Oh my goodness. I'm okay. sorry to any Chardonnay lovers out there. I'm not a Chardonnay girl. <laughs> well, we will look forward to seeing you again for the next Mass Off Live hopefully talking about home testing and other important things because we'll have another meeting probably to talk about too. So we will. Um, crossing fingers, uh, we'll be able to hopefully have vaccine in our office should all go to all, uh, all things go to, um, but until then friends have a happy Halloween. Yes, you too. And happy graduation. And next time I see you, you'll be a Harvard graduate. <laughs> Hopefully you'll, be, you'll still talk to me. One of the lowly people that didn't go to Harvard. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Okay. All right. Bye, friend. Love see you, you later. Bye.